You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. I wanted to pose the question from last week. So last week, Susanna was amazing, and she brought um, a word from Nahum. And she was talking about the fact that God can be two things at once. So he can be loving, but he can also be just. And he can be grace-giving, but he can also be convicting. And uh, we were able to just take that time and just allow the Lord to like do what he had to do in our hearts and our minds. And she did leave us with the question. It was, how can we empower you to do the work of restorative justice. Um, as you guys know, we've just been going through the minor prophets and we've been talking about restorative justice and how, um, how that, is the, that is what God is wanting to bring to this world. And every week we've just kind of been building upon it. And last week we wanted you to take that back and think, how can we as a community, as a church, as individuals help you and empower you to do the work of restorative justice? Now, normally, don't get mad at me, Brett. But normally we would split up and for five minutes and talk about it. But because I really feel like this needs to be like an action thing and we really need to be held accountable to it, I have some index cards that me and Ashley are going to fill out. And I also have pens if you don't have a pen in your seat back. And I want you to, I want to take Will we take the full five? Sure. All right. Well, I'm going to take five minutes, and I want you to think about, one, what is that? What is the thing that burns your heart? And then the second thing, and I want you to write it down, how can we help you, empower you, encourage you, pray for you in order for you to do the actual work of restorative justice? And what I'm hoping we will do is write it down, we'll collect it, and we can have a board or something, and we can look at it. And if there's something that you're like, oh, I can help with that, or oh, I'll pray for that, or something of that nature, that way we have something that's like, it's real. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to talk about it on a Sunday. Like, no, we're putting pen to the paper and we're making it a real thing because restorative justice is a real thing that we have to take seriously and that we need to do the work for. So, can we have the clock and the timer, et cetera, et cetera? And we're going to pass these out. Thank you, Joe. We're going to pass these out with some pens. And, okay, you can take the thing. Thank you. You're so, so kind. Say it again. So the question is, and it should be on one of the slides too, Joe. How can we empower you to do the work of restorative justice? Yes. Sure. To elaborate on anything that, in case you were not here, so restorative justice is what God is, what God has basically been working from since the beginning of the world. So, basically, as you know, we are living in a very unjust world, and there's a lot of injustice around. And we, as the body of Christ, as people of the Lord, need to be constantly working to restore justice for those who have been oppressed, for those who have been. Um, trauma like anything anything that anything that falls within under that injustice piece so for example like i what burdens my heart is um, making sure that people know who they are in christ and uh, one of those things that goes against that is racism or classism or or well, i won't say that but or it's a certain just certain things that would make people feel as if they are not seen by the lord so one of the things that i would, be, would need empowerment for, for, to restore that justice is 
I need prayer because sometimes I'm not as bold as I should be. But we should always be working towards anti-racism, anti-classism, anti-whatever. So that's so. I guess the question is, one, what is the thing? What is that thing that burdens your heart that you're like, man, I really like justice needs to be served in this area. And then when you think about it, how can we help you get there? Did that, did that help? Okay. If you feel comfortable putting your name on it, feel free. But also if you do not, that is also fine. All right, yes. You can put it back there, thank you. So thank you so much for filling those out. Um, I will figure out a way to put those on display and we will, is this me that's making all the noise? And we will figure out a way to get you empowered to do these things, amen? All right, so is it me that's doing the things? Hello, okay. Are you hearing the popping or is that just me? Is it me? Okay, then I guess it's me. Um, okay, so as I said, my name is Imani, um, and today I have the pleasure of preaching on the book of Habakkuk. How many of you have heard of the book Habakkuk? Okay, oh, it's actually a lot more than I thought. That's great. How many of you guys heard of the book Habakkuk before I told you I was preaching on it? Okay, just checking. Um, how many of you have actually read the book of Habakkuk? Parts of it? Okay. Okay. And um, how many of you are scared of books like Habakkuk? Scared of reading them? I will say that that is, I, in my walk with the Lord, I kind of avoid books like Habakkuk or like, I don't know, Malachi, Zephaniah, like all these, all these ones that it's kind of like, oh, one, because it's like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into when I read this. And secondly, I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually going to understand what's being said. So I, when I was, you know, in my earlier walk with the Lord, I would just kind of stick with what I knew, stick with Psalms, stick with, you know, the New Testament, da, 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 da. But it's important that we do pay attention to these minor prophets because a lot of what they are saying has to do not only with the time it, with Israel and Judah back then, but it also really does speak volumes for our time today. And I wanted... I want to take some time to actually read the Bible in church. What a thought. Um, but I think it's important, one, if we have read Habakkuk, I, I'm sure it's been a while since we read it. Or if we haven't, I think it's important that we take time to actually see what the scriptures say. I always bring up my goatskin Bible because what is in this book is more important than anything that I will ever say, anything that anyone, any person outside of Jesus will ever say. So it's important that we actually like take time to read the scriptures. Um, I'm not going to read out of this today. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. But if you want to bring up Habakkuk on either your phones or there's Bibles in your seat backs in front of you, or you can just listen. It's fine. If you don't want to read it, that's okay. Um, but before I get started, let's just pray and just allow the Holy Spirit to come and do only what he can do. Holy Spirit, you are here. 
And we just thank you that. We thank you that you have ordained this day before the creation of the world. Lord, you know every situation that has come into this building. You know the burdens that we're carrying. You know the situations that we're, that we're leaving or that, we're, that we just have on us. But Lord, we don't lay those things aside, but we actually bring our whole selves to you right now in this moment. And we trust God that you will speak to us, that you will work things out the way you need to work things out. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you break down the walls of our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say. Be glorified in this place. And may your face and your heart and your character and your goodness and your hope be seen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I had to entitle Habakkuk as anything, Habakkuk is the prophet that be known that no one else be known about. Because Habakkuk really do be known about a lot of things. He teaches us a lot of things in this book, but not even the people in the Bible knew who really a lot about Habakkuk. There's no there's nothing about his tribe, there's nothing about his family, there's nothing about his father. All the other prophets were like, Jeremiah, son of this, from Tekoa, da 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 Isaiah, son of this, from this, blah, blah. It literally just says, this is the message that prophet, the prophet Habakkuk received. Boom. That's it. There's nothing else. So, if you don't be known about Habakkuk, you're not alone. Not even the folks in the Bible really know, but God knew who, who, who Habakkuk was, so that's all that matters. So, we are going to just start in chapter 1. And I'm going to read it. And as I read it, I really want you guys to think about how this might resonate with you right now. Whether it's how you feel, whether it's how you are seeing the world, whether you're like, oh, this kind of sounds like a nation that I know, or this sounds like a person that I know, or this sounds like me. And as I'm reading it, feel free to raise your hand if you're like, this plays. This definitely plays for me. Okay? Sound good? Okay. Chapter 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Habakkuk's complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I always watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day that's something that you wouldn't even believe, even if someone told you about it. 
I am rising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people, that they will march across the lands and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and they do whatever they're like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dust. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Verse 10, they scoff at their kings and princes. They scorn at their fortresses. And then I'm going to skip down to 11. They are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. Habakkuk responds and says, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. You've sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? I'm going to skip down to 17. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? So if you are a little lost, what Habakkuk is doing here is he's lamenting for the culture that's around him. He is in Judah. He's seeing all this evil, all this craziness happening, and he's, and he's not accusing Israel like other prophets, he's actually saying, God, where are you? Why are you allowing all of this to happen? Why do I have to keep seeing all this evil? Why do I keep seeing, seeing all this oppression? Like, your part of the covenant is you said you would judge, the, you would judge all this. So like, where, where are you at? He's basically like, where are you at, God? Where are you at? And God comes back and says, don't worry. I'm going to send the Babylonians who are very evil to come and punish. It's all good. I got you. And then Habakkuk's like, hold up. What you're telling me is that you're going to send someone that's way more evil to come and punish us? That, like, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do, like, why would you do that? Like, we are more righteous than they. That's not fair. So you're just going to, like, wink at their evil and in turn, like, punish our evil? That doesn't make sense. And the main question that Habakkuk poses is, like, how can you be a good God when evil exists in the world? And how can you use evil and not, not bring that justice that I'm looking for? And what I really like about the book of Habakkuk is that he really understands and knows God to the point that he's just fully transparent. He's like, why are you doing this? I don't understand. And then when God gives him an answer, he's like, okay, I don't even like that answer. <laughs> How many times are we like that when God gives us an answer? We're just kind of like, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like what you had to say. But do we bring that to the Lord or do we sometimes harden our hearts to him? Or do we run away and say, ah, I don't know if this Christian thing is for me. I, heard, I don't know if I like what, I, what God had to say. 
Or do we fake it and just be like, okay, Lord, I worship you, blah, 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 even though in our hearts we know it's a little far away. Habakkuk teaches us the art of lament and lamenting in a real and tangible way. Lament, if you don't know, is a form of praise, and it draws attention. You can bring that back up, Joe. It draws attention to injustice, suffering, grief, and it helps us get into the place where we can be fully transparent, fully open, fully honest with God, and then he will meet us in all that we are. And I think sometimes, especially as Christians, especially when we've grown up in the church, been in the church, or even if you're not a Christian and you don't believe, you just feel like you have to be a certain way before God, but you actually don't. You can come as your whole self to him, good, bad, ugly, and he will initiate the hope and the healing and the forgiveness, but he can't get to that place unless we are fully transparent and fully open and fully honest with him. The world sucks. Sometimes our, our families suck. Our friends suck. Things are just like, wow, this really is just not great. And I know for me, and I've talked about this before, I can people please sometimes. And I'm kind of like, oh, no, everything's fine. It's all fine. We know everything's on fire, but it's fine. It's cool. I'm good. But it was only in the moments where I was truly honest with God with where I was at that I was like, okay, Lord, I can't, do, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm hurt. I'm tired. I'm sad. People have come at me. The church has come at me. I don't know what to do. How long, Lord, will I have to deal with this? How long? And in that moment, he meets us. So let's talk about, let's look into chapter two. So like I said, Habakkuk poses this whole thing of like, okay, Lord, I don't agree with what you're saying. But then he says to God, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait and see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. So rather than, again, running away, hardening his heart, doing his own thing because he didn't like the answer, he said, actually, I'm going to sit and wait because I know that God's going to answer me. I don't know how long it's going to take. Could take days, could take years. But I know God. I know this God, and I know that he's going to answer me, so I'm going to sit and wait. How hard is it to sit and wait sometimes? I'm hearing something over there. Just sitting and waiting for like that 20 seconds makes you anxious, doesn't it? But it's okay to sit in, it's okay to just sit and chill sometimes. Joe, you don't have to pull that up yet. It's okay. Sometimes we have to sit in silence. Sometimes we have to be still. Sometimes we just have to be quiet. 
in order for us to hear the Lord. And as uneasy as even that little 20 seconds that I just sat here and looked at you, sometimes it takes much longer for us to really allow the Lord to get into our head and be like, hey, this is what's going on. This next part, how God answers Habakkuk. I'll be honest, this part was the most, this, this part I really struggled with with preparing because it brings hope, but it also brings justice. And like we talked about last week, God, is, God can be two things at once. And for me reading this, as a person who has experienced depression, who has a person who has experienced the the mistreatment, I'll put it lightly, the mistreatment of people that look like me or other marginalized people in this country, I was like, oh, this is this this plays, this resonates. But also, as a person who just who also loves this country and also does not want to see bad things happen, it's like, oh, geez, how do I, how do you balance? How do you, how do you do both? So I just want to read it and we can do the same thing again. If you're like, this resonates or I see, I see how this is playing out or whatever, feel free to raise your hands. But I thought it was just important for us to look at this because God is talking, and I'll give you like a little lead in, God is talking about Babylon here. But Babylon serves as, a, as an archetype or an example for nations in the future. So he's basically saying, listen, these, this, like, woe to these nations, woe to Babylon, but woe to any nation that practices this later because I will bring my justice and I will bring my judgment towards those nations also. So let's read chapter two. The Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not delay. Then God says, look at the proud they trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and like death, they're never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them saying, what sorrow awaits you thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion. But how much longer can this go on? And then suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you, are, while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled towns with violence. 
What sorrow awaits you, you who build big houses and money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security by putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls that cry against you and the beams and the, ceil and the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can glow over their shameful nakedness. But it, soon it will be turned to your disgrace. Come, drink, be exposed, drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. Skip down to 18. What good is an idol carved by man or, cast, or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up, save us. To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Did anyone see? Did anyone see our nation in that? That's right, Kat. Nothing has changed. There. There's a lot of things. that the Lord, I believe, really wants to caution us against and warn us about. And when we read, or if we skip books like Habakkuk, or if we read books like Habakkuk and pretend like it doesn't actually resonate with us, or if it doesn't, it doesn't actually, oh, that doesn't apply, that's not America. No, no, land of the free, home of the brave, it's fine, da-da-da-da. How many nations look at us and see that we have plundered them? How many people who currently live here know that their ancestors have been plundered? That wealth has been built on the, back, the backs of their family? And we, as a nation, as a government, have pretty much gone unchecked about it. But the fact of the matter is, I, in my mind, I think, oh, we've, we've totally gone unchecked. It's not going to work. Nothing's going to happen. 
And then I think, why, God? Like, why do I even bother? But this is telling me, God's like, no, I know. I see it. I will bring my justice for any nation that does these things. But that, for us, if we look really honestly, and we're saying, okay, this is America, that means I feel, and I will be honest, I feel like we're living in the days where we are being checked now. And things are probably going to get a lot worse before they get better. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So we it was just shared that we have to look inward and see how we've been a part of the things that we've that been perpetuated. Jonathan? Mm. Mm. Destroy the system. Woo! Activist Jonathan out there. Yes. No, that's good. That's good. You're right. Right, right. So Jonathan was just saying that we have to actively destroy the system because it, it is hurting people, and that is true. And I think it's all, that all plays into my next bit, which is we have to lament. We have to be honest about where, oh, hi. We have to be honest about where we're at if we've had a part to play, if, we've been, if we have been a victim of it, and we have to bring that to the Lord. Joe, can you bring up that first um, transparent? We have to be transparent or be real with ourselves, with God. And then we have to wait or be ready. Because God's going to give us an answer. He's going to give us an action plan. He's going to say, hey, this is, what's, this is what's going on. I need you to do this. This is what's happening. But we have to first be transparent and open and honest to him. And then we have to wait for him to tell us what's going on. Sometimes what he tells us is not great. And it's not what we want to hear. Sometimes it's, it is what it is. How long do we have to wait? That is, the, that is the heart of lament. How long, oh Lord? Could be a day. Israel waited 400 years before God showed up. But he did show up. But the thing is, in our waiting, we have to be, we have to reflect because it's hard to wait. It is hard to wait. And sometimes we think, oh my gosh, he's forgotten us. He's not here. He's not real. And we won't get into it now for time, but in chapter three, Habakkuk goes through everything that God had done up until that point. And he basically says, and I'm going to he talks through and he remembers the goodness of God. He, re- he talks about the dominion over, the, over God's dominion over the chaos in creation in Genesis. He talks about how God caused the sun to stand still in Joshua. He talks about how he, re- he revealed himself at Mount Sinai. He talks about Exodus and how he brought forth his justice for his people. And then he says something very interesting. 
which I'll get there. Just give me two seconds. So he goes through all of this, and then he says, I will wait quietly for the coming day. So in his reflection, he was reminded of God's power, of God's goodness, of God, of who God was, and that gave his heart the stamina and the strength to hold on. And I think, and, and I really, that's where I kind of want to land this morning, is that we need to reflect on who God was in the past in our lives. We need to allow him to reveal himself as who he is. We need to be reminded of who he is, what he's done, what he's capable of doing, and that will lead us to the last bit of lament, which is trust. Because sometimes this world wants to confuse us, sometimes it wants to muddy up the waters, sometimes it wants us to, the enemy wants us to think God's forgotten us. He wants us to think, oh no, like, that's not gonna happen. Things are hard and it's just always gonna be hard forever. But that's not true. God has delivered many people God has brought forth hope for so many. God has broken down systems in the past. He has brought forth justice in the past. The same God of the Bible is the same God that is here today. And not only that, but we have Jesus now. Jesus died. He is our hope. He shed his blood. He did all of the things. He will show up. And sometimes we just need to reflect and be like, okay, life sucks and life is hard. But God, this is how you showed up for me before. And if you're like, I don't know if God showed up for me before, okay, God, show me where you showed up for me before. Being open and honest, waiting and reflecting, lamenting allows God, go back to it, it's okay, Go back. <laughs> Lament allows God to show up as hope amidst, amidst an unjust, evil, crooked, oppressed, and hopeless world. So, I think I'll stop there because I think it's time for us just to Lament. Even if it's not a case of injustice, even if it's just like I came in here feeling real heavy or life is just really hard right now or I'm feeling really convicted, we need to be real, we need to be ready, we need to be reminded and then we need to trust. So let's stand. I wore the, you, I'm sure you guys know, I always wear a graphic tee whenever I preach. And I purposely, I feel like the Lord wanted me, because I was going to wear this another time, and I felt like the Lord was like wanted it for this preach specifically, because I think a lot of us might not actually admit it, but we're actually in a very hopeless place. 
regardless of how you got there, it doesn't matter. But I believe that God wants to restore hope this morning and restore an understanding of who he is today.